Let's turn in the Scriptures to Job, the book of Job, which is right before the, uh, the book of Psalms. And Job chapter 9, which we'll be reading verses 27 through 34. Job chapter 9, verses 27 through 34. We come in celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning. Uh, it's often good to, in response to that, hear of the Lord and uh, from Him in a Christian duty that we are uh, to partake in. And so here we're going to consider prayer and our duty in prayer. And uh, from Job chapter 9. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing upon us. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that You give us the great privilege of speaking, talking, crying, pleading to You. And how we're thankful that You're not silent in response. You give us Your Word, revealing Yourself to us, teaching us Your ways loving us in Christ Your Son by His sacrifice and His continued prayers for us. So just as He prays unceasingly, we pray that we would grow and persevering in prayer as we will hear this evening from Job. And this, Father, we ask not because we're going to be perfect in it at this time. We know that we sin. Father, we pray that You would grow us And this grace, this means of grace, by which we come to You, the sovereign God who has sovereignly decreed all things to be and to come about just as they come about, according to Your good providence. And Father, make us to trust You and plea unto You often and daily and unceasingly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Job chapter 9, verse 27, we'll read through verse 34. These are God's words. If I say, I will forget my complaint, I'll leave off my heaviness and comfort myself, I am afraid of all my sorrows. I know that thou wilt not hold me innocent. If I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch, and mine own clothes shall abhor me. For he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any day's man betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Let him take his rod away from me, and let not his fear terrify me. Then would I speak and not fear Him. But it is not so with me. Those are God's words. Hopefully you remember what happened to Job in Job chapter 1. He lost all of his children and his property. And he had great property, many children, lost them all. His wife called upon him to curse God. And this, as 
the Lord was permitting Satan to attack Job, but only to the point which the Lord permitted and no further. Remember, we heard that this morning. He only has power and authority up to a certain point. It's not absolute power. It's not absolute authority. Only up to a point He permitted Satan to attack Job. And we like like Job and Job's friends can only see what is in front of us with our eyes. But with the eyes of faith, we need to lay hold of the Lord in Christ and His promises. On chapter 8, that gives us the context of chapter 9. Chapter 8, if you turn there, uh, you might already be there, uh, it really sets that, that context for us. Job's friends, as our main part of the book of Job, what they believe, while they believe in the Lord, they're used to serve Satan's design. And again, exactly what we heard this morning. And bringing harsh criticism upon Job when it was not right to do because the Lord had already shown that Job feared God, that he hated evil, that he was upright, that he himself was not the cause of the loss of his property or his children. And Job 8, one of Job's friends, Bildad, comes and rebukes Job. And this was, again, Satan's design to drive him from the Lord and drive him from the comfort found in the Lord to drive him from that to sin. Another friend before this, Eliphaz, had sought to show that because Job was so grievously afflicted, he was certainly a wicked man. Bildad here concludes that Job is a wicked man unless the Lord comes quickly to relieve him of all of his troubles, of all these dark providences. Chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Then answered Bildad the Shuhites and said, How long wilt thou speak these things? And how long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? Doth God pervert judgment? Or doth the Almighty pervert justice? If thy children have sinned, against him, and he have cast them away for their transgression? If thou wouldest seek unto God the times, and make thy supplication to the Almighty, if thou wert pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee, and make the habitation of thy righteousness prosperous. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase." And to get a feel for Bildad, he asks in verse 3, How long will you make all this noise with empty talk that doesn't profit you? It would be better that you should justify God's justice and admit your own unrighteousness. Either God, and really what he's saying is, either God or you is wrong. And it's not God. And therefore, Job As God is just, you are unjust. And this argument Bildad makes is all in response to how Job has expressed himself before God in prayer. All how Job has expressed himself before God. And Bildad, seeing the temporal suffering of Job continuing to see that temporal suffering of Job after 
these uh, horrible things have happened to him, concluding that he must be wicked and a hypocrite. Now, Job has, again, been praying to God. His pleadings were not so much addressed to his friends, they were addressed, before this, to Jehovah, to the Lord. He had been praying. And Bildad, verses 5 and 6 in chapter 8, is saying, God isn't going to listen to your many and multiplied prayers because you're wicked. You're a hypocrite. When you're engaging in hypocrisy, if Job would have prayed right, with a right heart, before these uh, before before, then these dreadful things in chapter one would have never happened to him. He would have answered your prayers. Even after the fact, he would have answered your prayers by now. He would have answered your prayers. But you're living in hypocrisy, Job. And that, friends, brings us to chapter nine in our passage. Job's response. And Job's response is with honor to God filled with humility and in the feelings of his afflictions, grievous afflictions. And Bildad said, if you were righteous, Job, God would have heard your prayers. But he has not heard. He does not hear your prayers, Job. Therefore, you are not righteous, but a hypocrite. And so Job now responds. First point this evening, persevering prayer. Persevering prayer. Job has not received any relief from his afflictions and his sufferings. He has prayed and prayed and prayed, and yet, no relief. Have you ever been through a time like that? Afflictions and and sufferings. Maybe it's even been uh, for weeks. It may have been for months. It may have been for years. Afflicted, conflicted, suffering, unthinkable sorrows, unthinkable griefs, and weeping, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and yet, no relief. No relief. Bildad would say of you, you're in sin. He's wrong. You're in sin, that he would say. You're a hypocrite. You're in rebellion against the Lord, because obviously you are, because God has not answered you in your prayers. He doesn't hear your prayers. He's not going to answer your prayers. And that's Satan working through Bildad. The evidence is right right there. You haven't seen an answer to your prayers, Job. There's no relief. Job comes and he says, If I say I will forget my complaint, I will leave off my heaviness and comfort myself. I am afraid of all my sorrows. I know that thou wilt not hold me innocent. If I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? His response to Bildad is, if I give up on my prayers, my complaints, right? They are given in vain, aren't, aren't they, you say, Bildad? They're, they're given in vain. So if I give up on those prayers to God, my pleadings, you know, I'll leave off my heaviness of heart and I no longer turn to the Lord, rather turn to myself and comfort myself. This would show hypocrisy. This would show for sin, but Job does not cease to pray. He can't leave off the heaviness. Why? Because it's there. 
He's lost all of His children. It's there. There's heartache. There's grief. There's sorrow. And it isn't going anywhere. Verse 28. I'm afraid of all my sorrows. That's how much much sorrows He has. He's afraid of them. Yes, I desire to rejoice in the Lord, but right now, all I can do is cry out to Him. I have no joy. Little joy. I can't find a joy. Because I'm steeped and full of sorrows. I've lost everything. There's no joy in my heart. The sorrows that have come upon me are too much for me. So Job, afraid of all his sorrows... Even when Job uh, strives most against his troubles and sorrows, they still succeed and defeat him in his feeling. Right? That's what he feels. They're still defeating him. They prove too hard. They're too difficult. And some of you can relate to that. And it's easier to know what you should do than to actually do it. Right? It's always easier to know what to do than to actually do what you know to do. I know, friends, I should have joy. Job knows he needs joy. He should have joy. And yet to actually put myself in the place of joy and have joy and not sit in grief and sorrow, that is greatly difficult. Especially if you put yourself into the situation Job is in. And maybe you've felt that yourself at times. There's no relief. And so the fear or even the sorrow themselves terrorize you. The griefs terrorize you. And these things are what discouraged Job. And yet, what did he do? He continued praying to the Lord. He continued praying to the Lord. And what did he see as he prayed? He saw no, zero evidence of Jehovah answering his prayers of relieving him of his sorrows and his griefs. He was looking for answers. He, was not, uh, he wasn't praying and then going off, and, uh, as we often do, and, and forget what we prayed. And when the answer comes, uh, we fail to give thankfulness to God because we're not looking for the answer to the prayer. That's not what he's doing here. Job prayed and prayed. And was looking for answers, looking for answers, but the answers didn't come. There was no relief. There was constant sorrows. Constant sorrows. And if anyone could determine anything, Job himself determines he's a sinner. He's confessing that here. He's guilty. He's not innocent. God is not holding him innocent. But it seems the Lord is dealing with me as a guilty man. Have you felt that way before? That the Lord is dealing with you as a guilty man or woman. That your prayers are going unanswered. And so you are tempted to think and feel as that, that lack of success with God, uh, lack of success with God, unanswered prayers, the whole situation seems hopeless. If that's it, friends, verse 29, if Bildad is correct... If I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? It seems vain, friends. When there's no answer for weeks, when you pray months, years, 
No answer to prayers? Pray and you pray and you pray for your children to be saved. For your grandchildren to be saved. Those who have rebelled, it seems all in vain. It will never happen. Their hearts are too hard now. They're too far gone. Prayers for my wife's long-term ailment. Doesn't seem like it's going to turn around. It's always going to be there. You have uh, something perhaps you prayed for for a long time in your life. Prayed and prayed and there's no answer. You may have been under such sorrow and grief, loss of a loved one, uh, loved ones like Job, multiple of them, right? And you prayed and you prayed. There's no relief. You could come to the conclusion that at the end of all of it, I'm not innocent. I'm guilty before God. That's what Bildad would have you to believe. That was what Satan, of course, would want you to believe. I'm not a Christian. I'm wicked. You could conclude that. You could conclude that all your prayers are in vain. But the Lord, through Job, is teaching us, especially verse 29, teaching us to persevere in prayer. How do we know that? Is Bildad right that Job is a hypocrite? That Job is wicked? No. Because would the hypocrite continue to labor and call always upon God in prayer? No. Even when he's alone, before his friends come, laboring in prayer. If Job were wicked, he would not pray this way. He might pray this way before his friends, but not as truly he does here before the face of God. He says here, doesn't he? He labors in prayer. It's implied in the verse. He's laboring in prayer. Can your life be defined that way, friends? As laboring in prayer? When in dire straits, labor in prayer. Even though Job wasn't seen an answer to his prayers, even when his friends were castigating him and accusing him, like Satan, uh, of sin and wickedness, when he continued in sorrows and grief and affliction, what did he continue in? Prayer. He persevered in prayer. And friends, you're called to be persevering in prayer. Labor in prayer. That your prayer life could be defined, that's, that's what we want. That's what Christ wants of us. It would be defined as laboring. Even when you don't see those answers to your prayers for weeks, years, decades, a quarter of a century. Some of you aren't even that old, but you don't see answers to your prayers for that long a time. Persevere. Don't stop praying. There will be many temptations to give up. Many temptations to give up praying. To believe what you're praying is not ever going to happen. Or that since there is no answer, it must be contrary to God's will. You know, If I'm not seeing an answer to my prayer, it must be contrary to God's will. Now, all of our prayers should be according to God's will. He teaches us that in the Scriptures. That is, they must be in accordance with His 
with the Scriptures, with His commandments, with His promises, and what He's revealed in the Scriptures. And if you're praying for something sinful, stop praying that. Right? If you read the Scriptures and you've been praying for something and you see that that is sinful, then you ought not to pray for that. And ask for forgiveness. But if you're praying for healing, keep on praying for that. The Lord is the great physician who heals all of our bodies and souls at the perfect time. And then pray for the Lord's will to be done. To leave it in His hands. Don't take it as if you're the healer. You're not the healer because you pray. You pray automatically, you know, whatever's. If you pray for healing, it's not automatically going to lead to healing immediately. And that's what the Lord through Job is teaching us here. We'll get to that in the second point. But leave it in His hands. Your prayers do not sway God one microscopic little amount. They do not sway God at all. Because He's sovereign. And He's eternally decreed every single thing that will happen at exactly the right point. Even He's decreed and predestined our habitations, where we would live for, for a certain amount of time and, and where we would live after that amount of time, right? He's, he's declared and He's sovereignly predestined even that. But keep on praying. Pleading with the Lord to bring it about for His glory. Luke 18, the parable of the persevering widow. It's the same thing, same lesson. Persevere in prayer. It says there, And He spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, she keeps coming back, right? She keeps coming back and pleading with him. Yet because she troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge His own elect, which cry day and night unto Him, though He bear long with them? I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall He find faith on the earth? Now here's the, the parable is of the, this judge who's wicked. He's not a just judge. But the persevering widow, she keeps coming and keeps coming, keeps pleading, keeps crying. And he finally answers. The unjust judge finally answers and, and brings about justice. And if the unjust judge can do that, how much more our God? That's the argument, right? How much more the, the just, fully, perfectly just God who hears all of our prayers and who uh, avenges His own elect, right? Who cry unto Him, it says, day and night. How much more will he answer at the perfect time? And so we're we're taught there to not trust in ourselves, but that you are always to pray and to pray and to pray, persevering in your prayers. Plead with the Lord and don't stop until he gives you the answer. And that might be all your life. 
but he'll answer at the perfect time. Will the answer be exactly what you pray for? Maybe, if it's perfectly in line with God's will. It absolutely will. It may be changed a little bit from what you thought would be the answer, slightly or a lot, but He will answer. And He will answer according to His will. And if it's not according to His will, He will answer no or something better for you. Because He works all things together for good and He gives you exactly what you need, not always what you want. But pray and pray and pray. And then pray in faith. Don't just keep praying and praying, but don't believe. James chapter 5 teaches us to pray with faith. It says, "...in the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent, fervent, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much." And so, friends, put your heart, your soul into your prayers to seek to live a righteous life in Christ by the Holy Spirit, by His grace. Pray. Romans 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. We all need to grow and this great Christian duty of prayer and being perseverant in prayer, to pray always, to not faint in prayer, nor prayer, uh, nor prefer worldly things over prayer. And how often we do that, preferring worldly things over prayer. But put your concerns before the throne of grace, that the Lord may pour forth His grace unto you. And think of Ephesians 6 praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. That is to be unceasing in prayer. Praying always. And how should we pray always? He says, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. How do we then grow to have a greater disposition to pray to Jehovah? How do we grow to have a greater disposition to pray to Jehovah? It all begins with our hearts. He says, pray in the Spirit. We need a heart focused on the Lord. And, and how does this come about? First off, of course, by constantly being in the Word. So you want to be persevering in prayer, you have to be in the Word. That's why he says, meditate upon my law day and night. When you're called to worship publicly, come and worship. It's a great error to forsake those calls. Fill yourself with God speaking. And pray the Lord would move you and carry you to pray. It may be difficult to pray, especially if you're not used to praying always. It will be difficult to pray at first or at other times. And if it's difficult, keep praying. Just keep going. Keep praying. Plead the Lord, give me a heart to pray. Give me a love to pray. A desire to pray. A joy in prayer. 
It's not natural. And it's not of the flesh. It must come by the Spirit. And so we have to put certain sins to death that we can put on prayer. And the great duty, and even the armor of prayer. Commit yourself. Commit yourself by the grace of God to pray at all times. Pray when you're working, when you're shopping, when you're in the bathroom, when you're changing diapers, when you're in silence, when you're asked to pray, when you're in private or family or public, pray. And pray when you're driving, instead of listening to something on the radio or whatever, pray. Pray at all times. As you begin to pray at all times, or more literally, more often, uh, with the goal of being unceasing in prayer, as you begin to pray at all times, that will work in you by God's grace to have a greater desire to pray as you pray for that. And to pray fervently. Because the Spirit will be working in you to pray, that's what He promises to us. Even when we don't know what to pray, because we're not used to praying so much, you don't know what to pray. Romans 8 promises us. Verse 26, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so the Spirit... When we don't know what to pray, even though we should be praying all the time, we don't know what to pray. The Spirit comes and groans within us what we ought to pray. That's His promise. And what a great confidence then we have to pray. More reason to pray. Romans 8 goes on. Even when you're in a great affliction. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we're struggling in prayer and struggling in prayer, and Christ intercedes for us and perfects our prayers. All the more reason to pray. He perfects our prayers. The next verse, And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And so, Christian, pray. And pray. And pray more by the Spirit. Persevering prayer. It shows forth that you're not a hypocrite. It shows forth that you're not wicked, but righteous in Christ. Justified. And we would be, when we're thinking about our state before God, we would be far safer drawing the conclusion of ourselves in our examination of our hearts, that we have true interest in God, if we would look at what we seek to do rather than the effects of what you do, do. Think of Job here. He's seeking the face of God. But if we consider the effects of what he's doing, like Bildad did, we would find Job's wicked. But if you look at what he's doing by the Spirit, you will find that he's a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and Jehovah.
from our persevering in prayer, even in difficulties, more than from the answers to our prayers. Look at how you're praying more so than the answers to the prayers. Because the fruit of God's grace in us is here evidence in Job's persevering in prayer. It's not in the answers to his prayers because they can't see them. And we might see them as you know we're reading the book of Job after the fact, but he can't. The seeking the face of God in prayer flows from God's grace in the heart. But the effects of our seeking God's face in prayer are acts of God's sovereign providence. And that's what we turn to now. Secondly, the second point this evening, trusting God's sovereign purpose. Trusting God's sovereign purpose. Again, Job was accused of being a hypocrite, being in sin, wicked, separate from God. So God's not answering his prayers. Why? No. Bildad's saying, that's the evidence, because God's not answering your prayers, that you're not on good terms with God. Verse 30. Or if I wash myself with snow water, and make my hands never so clean, yet shall thou plunge me in the ditch, and mine own clothes shall abhor me. For he is not a man as I am that I should answer him. And we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any day's man betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Let him take his rod away from me and let not his fear terrify me. Job, Job is saying this. I can do this and that, but how can I limit God to myself and my capabilities? It's the same thing Many people do in the world. Sometimes in the church. They limit God to their own reasoning. They limit God to their own knowledge. They limit God to whatever they think and what they know. How can I limit God to myself and my capabilities, though? He's God. I can see to be as clean as can be. But the Lord still afflicts me and the language here tosses like tosses me into the pig pen. Why? Because he's not a man. He's not like us. He's not finite, he's not weak, he's not frail, he's not constantly turning. Who am I that he should answer me? And who is He, Jehovah, that He should answer my prayers when I want Him to answer my prayers? He's going to answer when He pleases, how He pleases. And it's going to all be according to His sovereign providence and plan. Job is saying, I can pray, and it's a good thing to pray. As God commands it. But we can't limit God as we would a creature. Can God be limited? Absolutely not. He's God. It's good for us to acknowledge Jehovah's sovereign ways when we're praying, and when we're looking for the answers to those prayers. You see His sovereignty here, verse 32. For He is not a man as I am 
that I should answer Him. And how many times do we seek to tie God to various laws of of nature which must be true here in creation? He's not created. He's not created. And should we come in judgment against Him? He's the sovereign God who rules over all things. He created the universe, all things. And should we put Him under our judgment? Again, as we often do. People in the church often do. People in the world often do. He does as He pleases. Psalm 115, we sang uh, earlier, But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. Verse 33, it says, Neither is there any days man betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. He's more sovereign than to have a law above him or a judge to answer to. He's the judge. He's above all. There's no judge of God. He is too great and greater than to have an arbitrator, someone who goes between, and to call us both God and me, Job, right? God and Job, or us and God. He's too great to have an arbitrator to call both of us to cease and desist. When Bildad and, and you with him, and we with him, forsake God's sovereignty in limiting his answering of prayer to uh, answering of prayer where he wants to and when he wants to and how he wants to, that's a great error. We want to limit that. He's in control of... He's going to do it where He wants to, when He wants to, and how He does. Right? If the Lord will come and and take His rod away from me, if the Lord takes His rod of affliction away from me and, and, and let not His fear terrify me, then I should speak and not fear Him. If He comes by way of His grace, I will not be afraid to speak unto Him. And I would... Be content to lay out my complaint, my cause, my prayer before Him. But it's not this way right now. He's not taking the gentle way with me. And that rough way that our God is dealing with me seems to confirm to you, Bildad, seems to confirm to you your opinion of me. But our God is sovereign. It seems like you're right, Bildad, but our God is sovereign. Not you. Acknowledging and trusting the sovereignty of God and His providences show Job's heart to be sincere. It's not full of hypocrisy or sin. And so friends, when we're praying and we don't see answers, our prayers being answered, being immediately answered, or being answered where we would like it or how we would like it, remember God is sovereign. And remember that as you're praying in faith. God is sovereign. He doesn't answer to us. It's the other way around. We answer to Him. But what a blessed truth to know and to believe that He is sovereign over all things. Because when do we know? We know then of what a blessed truth to know that as Christ even reigns on the throne over all things, when we pray, and He perfects our prayers, praise God, He's going to answer with all the power and authority of the Creator who's in control of all things. And the King over all things. And He's going to bring about, as we heard, Romans 8, Even when there's great afflictions and trials and sufferings and heartaches, our God is sovereign. No matter how long it takes, our God is going to work all things together for good to those who love Him 
and to those who are called, the called, according to His purpose. He's sovereign. So let's trust His plan and purposes. Good and dark providences we experience, He's always sovereign. And He's always, for His people, going to work those things. Good providences, dark providences. He's going to work it all for good for His people and for you, Christian. And so, friends, we have a wonderful, amazing, infinite, loving God who loves us and who hears our prayers. He wants us to pray to Him. And He pleads that you would pray to Him because that's where we have that greater communion with Him. Exactly what Song of Solomon, Christ wanting His bride to commune with Him. And so what a great comfort we can draw from Job. That the Lord is mighty. Who is mighty is sovereign over Job. And He's sovereign over every single one of us. And if you don't know this, God, the Lord is to be feared and He is to be loved and commune with Him by persevering prayer. For there is no one greater that you are privileged to speak to and to plead to who hears all your prayers. Can you believe that here we are, we're not able always to speak to anyone we want. And yet God has given us the great privilege as the Creator of all things, of the universe, even our souls. And He says to come boldly before the throne of grace and pray. What a great privilege that is to know that God. And maybe you don't know this God. Then His encouragement to you then is to pray. To pray to Him now and to plead that He would save you in Christ His Son by His Spirit. And grant you turn from your every, to turn from your wicked ways that you would know His love and that you would know His sovereign purposes. And so, here, Christian, we are encouraged in the duty of prayer to persevere, always trusting in our sovereign God and His plan that He will work all things together for our good when He pleases, where He pleases, and how He will please. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, thank You for Your Word. Once again, we're thankful for the great blessing of prayer. To be able to speak to You, knowing You answer our prayers as You promise us so many times in the Scriptures. You hear and answer us. And You answer us perfectly. Father, cause us to see the answers to our prayers. And we would respond with great praise and thanksgiving. Father, we're... We must strive and struggle. And we don't see those answers through our prayers. We pray that we would persevere and pray and pray and pray more. And we pray that you would grow us in praying at all times and praying in faith. Because you're the only God who is sovereign over all things who can actually answer prayers, our prayers. Of all those false gods of the world, bad things happen and, and men think they've done something wrong. And yet, Father, we're thankful that You grant us prayer to lift up our concerns and our pleas to You. And that we know that You answer at the perfect time. Give us faith in that and hope in the life to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.